and welcome to Awake, the Sleep Apnea Podcast, brought to you by the American Sleep Apnea Association. Visit us at sleepapnea.org. Today, sleep apnea patient and board chair of the ASAA, Will Hedipole, sits down for an interview about his struggles with sleep apnea treatment and his road to patient advocacy. This interview was originally recorded in 2018. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Hi, Will. How are you doing? I'm great today. Thanks. Good. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what your life was like before you were treated for sleep apnea. Yeah, so um, I can go back to my childhood. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but you know, back when I was a kid, uh, I had sleep apnea. I was super skinny. Uh, people used to, you know, comment on how many how many ribs I had because they could count them. Um, I, I I did really poorly in school. Uh, I had a twin sister, and so she got A's and I got D's. And we went all the way through grade school, um, and I just thought, I don't know what's wrong with me. I got in trouble for being hyperactive. That's what they called it at the time. And uh, without really knowing it by accident, um, I had my tonsils out because everybody had their tonsils out in the sixth grade kind of thing. I think it was the way doctors made money. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so suddenly my grades went from D's to B's and then A's, and I did well in school after that. And I just thought, oh, I grew out of whatever problem I had. And then when I was in my 40s, my early 40s, um, I went on a trip with my father. Actually, when I was 35, I went on a trip with my father, and we went uh, to Australia together, and my father would stop breathing all night long. And I thought, oh, my God, I don't know what that is, but it doesn't look good. And my father had all these problems. Um, you know, he had diabetes. He had uh, GERD, um, uh, you know, um, some, some depression, that kind of stuff. And so I, was, I, I thought, wow, that guy's just unlucky, mm-hmm. right? And then uh, when I was in my 40s, I couldn't remember people's names at work, uh, even though I had worked with them for four or five years. Mm-hmm. And so I went to be diagnosed. And they said, you have sleep apnea. And then that's when I learned all about it. Let's see. Well, after, after you had your uh, diagnosis and then treatment was set up for you, what was it like? Well, for me, it was a long, gradual thing. Um, I... I started out with a mouth guard and oral appliance, and then I uh, kind of graduated uh, to um, uh, a CPAP. Well, I had surgery. I thought, oh, I'm going to have surgery, and right. the surgery I had uh, was kind of experimental, didn't uh, really do the job. Then I ended up on CPAP. But I just realized that you know, I needed to treat myself so I didn't end up with the same problems my father had. And by the way, my sister and um, you know, my nephew, uh, and now one, my eldest son. So. I just wanted to uh, not not have mm-hmm. as many negative consequences from it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I treat myself. Well, what has worked for you? I think just being diligent, um, you know, and getting over the stigma. Mm-hmm. When I first got my first CPAP machine, I was embarrassed, um, and I would hide it every night. I put it in a drawer mm-hmm. uh, because I didn't want people to think, "Oh, I'm sick." Mm-hmm. And so what worked for me was to go from be, being kind of a victim mentality to um, thinking that I'm like a victor, mm-hmm. you know, and I called myself the apnea avenger. Mm-hmm. And uh, to avenge something is to, you know, crush it out with asymmetrical force. And so I, I kind of liked that idea. Mm-hmm. And so I, I actually went from just talking to a few people to trying to help many, many people. And that actually helped me. Mm-hmm. Sort of an empowerment, really, yeah. if mm-hmm. you think about yeah. it. Yeah, it's sort of accepting it and then and then running with it. Mm-hmm. 
Well, what what has not worked? What was uh, what were a few things that you tried that just maybe didn't work for you? I think, I think uh, all the therapies are sort of sub substandard, to be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, oral appliance works sometimes for some people, and lots, you know, some uh, even better for other people, but not great. Uh, and then the, the surgeries did not work. Um, I had my tongue moved forward. I had my uh, nasal area microwaved, and I had um, my uvula sewn to the top of my mouth. And even that only got me about halfway, so it cut my you know, by by about half. And one of the things that really didn't work for me is the doctor said, "Okay, you have a seventy percent chance of cure." So I said, "Well, they're probably sandbagging, so why not? Uh, <laughs> why not go for it?" And then they said, "Okay, well, um, it didn't work as well as we thought, but you know." You know, under the definition of cure, you're cured. And I'm like, how can I be cured? They said, mm -hmm. well, if we cut whatever it is in half, that's considered a cure. I'm like, well, okay, what didn't work for me is the medical profession didn't tell me that before I had the surgery and had to lay in bed for mm -hmm. almost a month. If you were to tell someone that is just facing diagnosis, maybe they have a new diagnosis, maybe they haven't been diagnosed, but they have the symptoms. Yeah. What would your advice be for this patient or friend that is uh, starting out in the journey? Well, it happens all the time because um, people ask me and I'll, I'll give them some advice and they won't do anything about it. So the first thing is you got to get over the denial aspect of it. Mm -hmm. it, it is really a, it's a huge denial mm -hmm. issue um, because you're asleep so you don't believe it. Even though people tell you um, that's happening, it's hard for you to believe. So you just have to get over that and you have to believe people. The second thing is until a cure comes along, then you need to do the best you can. And so uh, just like with eyeglasses, you put your eyeglasses on, we talked about the other day, um, and then you take them off at night, you put your mask on, you put it, take it off uh, in the daytime. Mm -hmm. it's, just a, it's just a way of um, uh, treating your problem until something else comes along, like Lasix. You know, mm -hmm. now you don't have to wear eyeglasses. Well, mm -hmm. something eventually we hope will come along for sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. But while we're waiting, we need to do something that's mm -hmm. not going to that's going to be helpful to mm -hmm. us and others because it really is a home wrecker. Uh, if you don't treat it, it's really hard on the family. It's hard on the extended family. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, why do that to people? Mm -hmm. So my advice is treat yourself with whatever is available today. It's not a cookie cutter disease, is it? No. I used to think there was a magic bullet, mm -hmm. and I realized no, there's no magic bullet right now. It's a, it's a magic shotgun, and you have to try m multiple things. That's the other advice I give people is try combinations of things. I wear an oral appliance and a CPAP mm -hmm. mask, or sometimes I wear an oral appliance and, an, and a, a nasal stent, um, mm -hmm. and sometimes I don't wear my, my oral appliance. I just wear my CPAP, and so different combinations work, and since you're going to have it uh, for a while, unless you're lucky and it goes away, uh, usually from diet or something like that, um, become an expert. Mm -hmm. You know, just really become an expert on the whole thing. And don't, don't let the medical profession uh, basically tell you what to do, because um, it'll probably be good, but I've noticed that, you know, sometimes you get bad advice. So you have to become your own advocate. Well, thank you so much, Will. Uh, thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Visit sleepapnea.org to get more video, audio, and blogged content. Also, you can register at sleepapnea.org to be included in the conversation and updated whenever new programs are available. We hope you all stay safe, we're in this together, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.